This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. Manchester, again, after almost two years. And he's the Rav of Tiferes Mordechai, Shul in New York. And as everybody knows, he's a world-renowned speaker, one of the most popular around the world. And we're very, very grateful for his time and his presence here in Manchester. And uh, we have Svarim as well, which you, you want to talk about after, you want to mention. We've got Svarim here for sale. And uh, also just to mention as well that um, anybody that wants to follow any of Rabbi Glastin's Shurim, he, he has them on Kolaloshan, Torah Anytime, RabbiDG.com, any of the uh, available means to, uh, to, get, to get hold of all of his Shurim, which are thousands and thousands. So without further ado, please Rabbi Glastin. Thank you so much for hosting me here in Manchester. It's been uh, a little while. We had plans to be able to come back, but uh, this is our first available opportunity because of uh, COVID. So it's a great chance to be here. Thank you, uh, Rabbi Aviv, for the warm introduction and for hosting me during my stay. I want to thank uh, Penny Brandeis also for his hospitality and taking care of the arrangements of me being here. So I want to discuss an Indian that's uh, specifically in Agea for Parshas Taldois, Parshas Vayetze, and all of uh, Sefer Bereshis. We'd like to examine a few Rashis that are all familiar to us. I'm sure we know these Rashis quite well, but sometimes the, better you, the more you know something and the more familiar you are with something, the more you tend to overlook um, what's right in front of you. Rashi in a number of places in Chumash mentions the idea that Yaakov Avinu has 14 years of his life that are unaccounted for. Rashi, in the beginning of Ayetse, it says, He slept in that place, says Rashi. There he slept. But the 14 years in Beisever, He didn't sleep at night. Otherwise it says, He slept over there. Uh, of course, wherever you sleep, it's there. You can't sleep in a place that's somewhere else from where you're sleeping from. She says, Vayishkav, why Bamakaimahu? So it's a miot. He slept there, but he didn't sleep somewhere else. Where is that? The 14 years that he was Shimesh Bevei Sever. So Rashi says a very important word, he was Shimesh. Because there are a lot of people that are loymed in Yeshiva, sure. A lot of people that are still are loymed today. Many loymde dafyoimi, loymde shas, loymde svarim. But how many people interact with the Rav, with the Rebbe, that's a much higher madrega. So Ra- Yaakov Avinu was Shimesh Bevesever. It's interesting. Are we embarrassed to say that Yaakov Avinu learned for 14 years? I mean, why is the tar beating around the bush? Say, why do we say, Say, Vayilmad, Bishiva, Shemever, Yudalit Shana. That would seem like a nice thing to say. Are we ashamed of the fact that Yaakov learned in Yeshiva Shemever 14 years that we have to say it roundabout? He slept there, but the 14 years of Yeshiva Shemever, he didn't sleep at night. And throughout Kalatayra Kula, do you know how many times it actually says that Yaakov Avinu learned for 14 years? Never. It never says he learned for 14 years. Every time. 
we have a, we glean that he learned for 14 years, it's only a diuk from somewhere else. So for example, Rashi at the very end of Chai Rashi says, you know how we, we know that Yaakov Avinu learned for 14 years? We can derive it from the years of the life of Yishmael. Because Yishmael lived how long? 137 years. And from the fact that when Esav got married to Basmas, so Yishmael died, which means from there we could figure out there are 14 missing years in the life of, Yish- of Yaakov Avinu. Says Rashi, Ah, oh, it must be, Mishnoisav shall Yishmael lamadnu shashimesh Yaakov bevesever arba esreshana. So, in other words, you know how ya- we know Yaakov learned for 14 years? Who do we learn it from? Yishmael. Wow, it's very nice, you know, <laughs> that the Melamed, the Yaakov Avinu, learned in Kailo for 14 years is the life of Yishmael. Is there something wrong with the fact that Yaakov Avinu learned for 14 years that we're embarrassed to say we have to figure it out from the lifetime of none other than Yishmael? And then Rashi in the beginning of this week's parasha says, Harei chaserim yodaled shonim halamadata after Yaakov accepted the brachas, Nitman So three times, Rashi al tells us that Yaakov Avinu learned 14 years, and all three times, Rashi is saying, it's not explicit in the Pasuk, it's something we have to infer. Why? Why doesn't the Torah say explicitly, Yaakov Avinu learned 14 years? This is the question of Rav Simcha Mardechai Ziskind Broida, Rav Simcha Zisel Broida, Rashiva of Chevroin, who lived from 1912 to 2000, Rashiva of Knesset Yisrael, he wrote a, a famed sefer on the Ramban, Samdarach, an amazing sefer on the Ramban. His son lives in uh, my neighborhood in uh, Long Island. And this is a question of Simcha Zisel Broida. This third Rashi says something a little bit different. He says it to, a little bit to a different tune. The third Rashi doesn't say Yaakov Avinu learned for 14 years. The, the third Rashi says, Nitman bebeisever. He hid in the, in the ebeisever. He hid there. Who's he hiding from? Who's Yaakov hiding from? He's hiding from Esav. Well, how did Yaakov come up with this ingenious hiding place? In other words, Yaakov Avinu, what is, where does he spend all his time? He's Yoshev Ayhalim, Yeshiva Shem Ever. So now he has to hide from Esav. So where does he go? He goes to Yeshiva Shem Ever. Are you telling me that Esav could not find Yaakov Avinu for 14 years because Esav didn't know where Yaakov Where did Esav think Yaakov was? What he went, Esav checked the bowling alleys, Esav checked the pool halls, and Yaakov wasn't there. So Esav said, I don't know where the guy could be. Where do you think Yaakov is? He is where he was his entire life. How could Yaakov Avinu hide in the most obvious hiding spot in the world? This is where Yaakov Avinu hid? Yeshiva Shema Ever? you got to be kidding me. The worst hiding spot in the world. But imagine somebody's looking for Abchaim Knievsky. He looks here, he looks there. He didn't check the letterman shul. He didn't check his house. He looked all over B'nai Brak. He couldn't find Abchaim Knievsky because he forgot to knock on his door. So where's Yaakov Avinu? Yaakov Avinu is in Yeshiva Shemeir. That's where he was his entire life. Let's go to the opening pasuk of this week's parsha. The Eilat told us Yitzchak ben Avraham. Avraham, Haylatas Yitzchak. Rashi's bothered. Why the double lashon? So Rashi says Shahayal Eitzanei Hadar Oimrim 
So what did HaKadosh Baruch Hu do? Tsar, Klaster, Panav, Shal Yitzchak, Doimah, Li Avraham. So everybody said, you know how we know Yitzchak ben Avraham? Avraham hoilides Yitzchak. Yitzchak Avinu was, in America we say, the spitting image of Avraham Avinu. If you don't say it over here, please leave my home. That was the, that's what Rashi is saying. Yitzchak Avinu looked exactly like Avraham Avinu. So we would tend to learn this Pasuk, that the, their Leitzanei Hadar were accusing Avraham that Avraham's not the father. So Hashem made a miracle that Yitzchak looks like Avraham. How? By making Yitzchak look like Avraham. Where is there a remez that Yitzchak looks like Avraham? In the extra words, Avraham hoilid es Yitzchak. That's how we always learnt Rashi our entire life. That's not the way to learn Rashi. Rashi is saying a lot more than that, as we are going to see. Let's go to next week's parsha. Vayetze Yaakov. You know, Parsha's Vayetze enjoys a very interesting feature. Very few parshas enjoy this feature, and that is it's brought down by the Balaturim, but brought down by the Dasakanim, that because Yaakov Inu hid, therefore Parsha's Vayetze is a parsha susuma. What does that mean? It's a parsha susuma. It doesn't start on the next line. It's just a, like a pei or a samach, right? It just it just it just has a space in between the end of Toldos and the beginning of Vayetze. It's not mamish like Vayechi, where you know a, a, every Balkare has a tough time finding where Vayechi starts because uh, it it doesn't. It looks like the next word, right? Parsha Vayechi is susuma legamri. Parsha Vayetze is a parsha susuma. Why? Because Yaakov Avinu hid from Esav. So why does the parsha have to suffer because Yaakov hid from Esav? Because Yaakov hid from Esav, therefore it's a parsha susuma? What is, what is Yaakov hiding from Esav got to do with the fact that it's a parsha susuma? So we would tend to learn it. What it means is that the fact that it's a parsha susuma is a remez to the idea that Yaakov Avinu was hiding. But again, Let's see if there's more to it. The same thing with Parshas Vayechi. Rashi says, why is Parshas Vayechi a Parshas Susuma? Rashi says that when Yaakov Avinu passed away, Nistemu Einehem Velibam Shal Yisrael. The heart and the eyes of Klai Yisrael were sealed shut because the Shibud began. Or Yaakov Avinu wanted to be Megala the Kates and it was hidden from him. And because it was hidden from him, where the eyes of Klaiso were concealed and sealed shut, therefore the parsha is sealed. Again, we tend to understand that means that these sealings, these concealments, are marumas in the fact that it's a parsha susuma. I want to share with you two questions now. If you never had these two questions, after you hear them, you should be kicking yourself. How come I never thought of this question? Okay, Pashat Rashi is in Chumash. Who is Avraham Avinu's father? Terach. Very good. Yaakov Avinu, Avram Avinu, he goes to Charan. How old is he? You're up? 75 years old. I was up all night last night. I was on a plane. 75 years old. Avram Avinu is 75 years old. If Avram Avinu is 75 years old, how old was Terach when Avraham was born? Terach was 70. So how old was Terach when Avraham left Haran? So if he was 70 when Avraham was born and Avraham was 75, Terach must have been 145. 
And the Pasuk says that Terach died, and then Avraham left. So how old was Terach when Avraham left? He must have been 145. The only problem is, the Torah says, Terach was 205 years old when he died. Which means even though the Torah says, Terach died, and then Avraham left, really Terach lived another 60 years. In other words, even though the Torah says he died, he didn't die. So even though the Torah said he's dead, he's walking the streets. Which is always a good thing for somebody. If let's say they, they report in the obituaries that the person died, if the person's still walking around, it's a plus. It's definitely a plus to continue to live after reports of one's demise. Okay. Rashi says, look at this, look at number 10. After Avram left Charan, and he came to Canaan, and he was there more than 60 years. You know when Terach died? In 60 years. Because it says Avram was 75 when he left Charan. And Terach was 70 when Avram was born. That means he was 145 when Avram left Charan. That means he had another 60 years where he was alive and kicking. So why would the Torah say he died when he was living another 60 years? Says Rashi. Because we didn't want people to know that Terach died. Because people are going to say, um, Avraham, you went to Eretz Yisrael. How's it, what, is everything okay at home? Don't you have an elderly father? You just left your elderly father? Isn't he alive? So the reason why we say Terach died is so that people shouldn't know that Avraham left his father alive. Therefore, we call him dead. Herstam, I see what Rashi is saying. Avinu is in Eretz Yisrael. People are going to go over to Avraham and say, Avraham, you just left your dad? People are going to go over to Terach. Terach, your son just left you? So to avoid any issues, the Torah writes, Terach is dead. Does this make any sense? So a guy knocks on Tarach's door. He says, Tarach, you know, every day Avram used to take you for a walk. Well, where is he? Oh, he went to Eretz Yisrael. He just left you? He said, no, he didn't just leave me. You see, the Torah wrote that I'm dead. So nobody should have any tightness on him. Yeah, but, but, once, um, but I'm talking to you. No, no, but the Torah says that I'm dead. Oh... Are you telling me that back in Mesopotamia, the people got their news, they opened up the stone Chumash, and the way they got the news in the morning is the Torah says Terach died. So even though he's walking the streets, but we don't pay attention to what we see, we just follow what it says in the Chumash. There was no Chumash then. What exactly does Rashi mean that we don't want anybody to have Tainus on Avraham Avinu, that he left his father, so therefore the Torah wrote that Terach died. But Terach's alive, and everyone sees Terach walking up and down the street, and Avraham Avinu's not there. So why wouldn't people have tainas on Avraham Avinu? What difference does it make what the Torah says? What's Rashi talking about? You ever think of that question? I mean, this is the most obvious Rashi in Chumash. What's he saying? I'll give you another example. Rivka Imenu. Where does the Torah say Rivka Imenu died? Nowhere. It says that Rivka Imenu's wet nurse died. It says about Rivka Imenu 
that Vatamas Devoira Meinekes Rivka Vatikaver Mitachas Lebeiskel Tachas Walain. The wet nurse of Rivka <coughs> died. By the way, does anybody know what was Rivka's mother's name? I don't know. It says you know she went to tell her mother, but doesn't say what her name was. Rav Chaim Knievsky has a sefer Lemichse Atik. You know where. Everything the Torah uh, conceals, he tells you what it's referring to. He said Rivka's mother's name was Devira. Devira was not. Why do you think Devira was the Menekes Rivka? Because it was that was her mother. Be it as it may, Rashi says that it wasn't just Devira who died, but Rivka also died. Look at number twelve. Agada nisbaser sham be'evel sheni. There Yaakov Avinu was told about a second mourning. Shehugadloi al imoy shemesa. He was told that his his mother died. Why didn't the Torah say that Rivka died? We don't want to say Rivka died because people would curse the womb that produced Esav Arasha. Therefore, the Torah didn't want to say Rivka died. The Ramban elaborates. The Ramban says Rivka Imenu had the most pathetic Levaya in the history of the world. Avram Avinu, he was gone. Yitzchak Avinu was blind, he was stuck in his house. Yaakov Avinu, he's learning, he's in Padan Aram. Esav, he hates his mother, didn't show up. Who came to Levaya? Nobody. The Chevra Kadisha of Manchester had to take care of it. Nobody else would, uh, it was, it was, she was a Mace Mitzvah. Nobody came to Levaya. You know why the Torah didn't say she died? So that the B'nai Ches don't come and bury Rivka Imenu. So therefore the Torah hid the fact that Rivka died so the B'nai Ches don't find out about it. So this way she doesn't have to be embarrassed and be buried by Ephraim's uh, committee, the Ephraim Burial Society. What? The Ramban is saying that the reason the Torah doesn't want to say that Rivka Imenu died is so that the Bnei Ches don't find out that she died? You're telling, me the Bnei, you're telling me the people in the times of the Torah got their information from a document that didn't exist yet? What's Rashi saying? What's Ramban saying? We don't want anyone to curse Rivka. Therefore, the Torah doesn't say Rivka died. What does the fact that the Torah does or does not talk about the death of Rivka have to do with whether people were curse her or not? Nobody finds out the news from the Chumash. Either they know what happened, they don't know what happened. Isn't it irrelevant the way it's reported in the Chumash? What's the Ramban saying? That the Torah doesn't say that Rivka Yimenu died so the Bnei Ches don't come and bury her. So we just quoted about five different comments of Rashi. She'en lahem biyor, b'chlal. And uh, you're all familiar with them. You've read them many times. And unless you actually stop and think about it, you could read it a hundred more times and you never realize that if somebody would ask you to explain it, you would never be able to explain it. So let's begin to try to um, crack the code of these Rashis. How many books are in the Chumash? So most people mistakenly say, Chamisha, Chumshei, Taira. But we know we don't pasken that way. We pasken, Chatzva, Amudeha, Shiva. The opinion of Rebbe is that there are seven books of the Chumash. Bereshah, Shemais, Vayikra, Bamidbar, before Vahiv and Saya, 
Bamidbar, Avahibin Saya, Adar, Bamidbar, and then Devarim. In fact, the Rashash says, and it comes out, there are 26 books in Tanakh. There should really be 26 books in Tanakh. That's the opinion of Rebbe. That's why if you have a uh, Sefer Torah that has Pehe Oisiyos, and the rest of it is rubbed out, it has Kedusha Sefer Torah because the smallest Sefer of the Chumash is Vayibin Saya, Pehe Oisiyos. That's why a, a Sefer Torah that has Pehe Oisiyos is Metameyas Hayadayim, because Vayibin Saya has Pehe Oisiyos. But that's not the opinion we usually quote. The other opinion is Rav Shem and that the reason why they're upside down nuns before and after Vahib and Saya is not because it's a Sefer B'fnei Atzmai, but because it's out of order. Really, Vahib and Saya belongs in the beginning of Sefer Bamidbar. But the Torah put it here, Kedei Lehafsik Bein Peronios Leperonios. We don't want to have too many Peronios, too many bad incidents back to back to back. And as the Ramban explains in Baha'u'llah, if the Torah would record three punishments back to back to back, we would be muchzak b'peraniyos, we would be established as a people that bad things happen to, and we would be in hot water forever, and therefore the Torah had to break the cycle. What are the three peraniyos? Peraniyos number one is, we ran away from Harsinai, Ketinoik, Haboireach, Mibes HaSefer. Number two, the punishment of the, of the Mesoinenim, we complained. And number three, the Hasafsaf, who are Balei Taiva. Now the truth is, the three punishments happened back to back to back. First they ran away from Harsinai, and then they complained, and then they wanted meat. But the Torah doesn't record it that way. The Torah records it that they ran away from Harsinai, and they complained, Vahibin Seha Arain, and they wanted meat. And therefore, since it's not recorded that three tragedies happen back to back to back, we are not muksuk b'paraniyos. Asks Reb Simcha Zisel Breida, who cares how it's written in the document? Isn't it more important how it happened? And in fact, it happened three paraniyos back to back to back. Why are we so concerned how it appears in the document? No, it can't appear in the document three consecutive paraniyos, isn't it? about how it occurs, not how it's recorded. And Rav Simcha Zisel presents the following incredible, incredible approach to understanding the Chumash in general. What would happen, by way of mashal, if the sun would be a foot closer to planet Earth? It would be, first, the first thing would be, it would be actually warm in this room. And actually it would be so warm that within moments we would disintegrate and cease to exist. We would melt, burn up within moments, and we would not exist anymore. What if the sun would be a foot further away from planet Earth? Then the whole world would feel like this room. And then... Everything would freeze and uh, it would be, you know, one big uh, Antarctica. So we see from here that everything in this world has to be very precise. If anything is off kilter, even by a small detail, the whole world would be in ruins. If the moon was a little further away from planet Earth, 
then the tidal waves would be less and there would be tsunamis and the world couldn't exist. If the atom was just a little bit off, if the cell was just a little bit off, nothing in this world could function. Everything in this world is fine-tuned by the master designer HaKadosh Baruch But that's only in the secondary reality, and that is that which was created from the blueprint. But even more real than what's created from the blueprint is the blueprint itself. The blueprint itself has to be so precise and so exacting that if one iota of the blueprint would change, the world could, would cease to exist. You ever wonder? The poor guy spent seven hours Friday night preparing the parsha. Instead of saying, Barachel Ba'a, he said, Barachel Ba'a. And they want to lynch the guy and, and shecht him and, and remove him from the city. The guy just mispronounced the word. He's off by one syllable. What did he do wrong? The answer is, he is reading the blueprint of creation. And if he deviates by one iota, it will spell disaster to the entire world. And therefore we have to be so exacting with every nakuda and every letter and every detail of this blueprint. Take a look at number 18 in the Yaakot Shemayni. Tav Tav Kuf Ayin Doirois, Kaidem Shinivra Oilam. 974 generations before the world was created. Yashav HaKadosh Baruch Hu, the Rebbeinu Shalom sat. V'darash, he expounded. V'chiger, he investigated. Ubachan, he searched. V'tzireif, he combined as Kala Terukula. Umiyayim Shenivra HaOilam Ad Oisasha. From the day the world was created until that time. And he was Doirish Choyker V'tzireif. Says the Yalkut Shemayni, the Chaldavar Vidavar Shekava Batayra. Anything the Rebbeinu Shalom placed in the Taira, imzaz mimekayma kima. If it would move out of its spot a little bit, kilkel as kala oilam kulai. The world would be destroyed. The same way if somebody would go into a lab and say, "Well, I'm just going to move that proton just a little bit away from the neutron," he would destroy an entire continent. If anybody were to take Parshas Vayechi and make an additional space, the world would blow up instantly. Every detail of the way the Torah appears is necessary for the functioning of the world. If it would change even an iota, the world would explode. That explains that which it says in Megillah Daf Gimel, that the Targum of Nevi'im, Yonasem and Uziel, taught it from Chagaz Zechari Malachi. And when he revealed the Targum that was not supposed to be revealed, what does the Gemara say? Nizdazeya Eretz Yisrael, Dalad Meis Amois, by Dalad Meis Parsa. Eretz Yisrael, well, there was an earthquake. Why? Because a chilek of Torah that needs to be hidden, if you reveal it, the world will shake, will quake. I'll give you another uh, interesting example. Let's say you hire someone to build a house for you. And um, he builds a house. He forgot to make uh, a living room. So why didn't you make a living room? He said, because he gave me architectural plans. There's no living room in the design. I can't build something that's not in the design. So whatever appears in the architectural plans will appear in the building. Whatever's not in the architectural plans won't appear in the building. So as Aaron Cutler, now we understand why nowhere in the Chumash does it talk about Olam Haba. The Kliyakar and Parshas Bechukaisai wonders, why is the most important concept of the Torah not really mentioned? Kliyakar gives ten answers. It says, Rabbi, the answer is very Pasha. 
Oilam Haba is Ayin Lairasa Elaikim Zulasacha. Nobody could nobody's allowed to see Oilam Haba. Since nobody's allowed to see Oilam Haba, it cannot be in the architectural plans, it can't be in the Chumash. Because whatever it says openly in the Chumash, you could see with your eye. Because the open reality is just a manifestation of what it says in the document. So therefore the Rebbe had to remove it from the open document so that it's not an open reality. Otherwise people would wake up in the morning, look heavenward, and they would see Oilam Haba. And the Rebbe Hashem doesn't want that. He wants it to be Ayin Lairasa Alekim Zlosach. So Rebbe Hashem took Olam Haba, he removed it from the document. Now it's only in Tar Peh. If it's in Tar Peh, then it's in hidden reality. By the way, Rav Hutner writes in the Pachad Yitzchak, the Gemara in Tainus talks about Yaakov Avinu Loimes. So the Gemara says, Bechi Bechdi, Kavru Kavraina, Vesavtu Saftaina. But really, Yaakov Avinu didn't die, but they buried him. They eulogized him. I mean, the guy who gave the hour eulogy, and he comes after, he says, Nuah. I, I charge $500 an hour. Uh, give me money for my eulogy of Yaakov Avinu. He said, no, he's, he's alive. I mean, he's alive. You just, he's, you just covered him with dirt. What do you mean he's alive? So what does Rabbi Yechanan say? Mikra ni doyresh. I darshan a pasuk. It says, Altira avi Yaakov, v'zaracha me'eretz merchakim. Ma zaracha b'chayim, af Yaakov Avinu b'chayim. So think about the Shach Levitariah for a moment. The Gemara says Yaakov didn't die. So the Gemara asks, but they buried him. And the Gemara says, yeah, but I have a drasha. You could darshan from today until next Tuesday. But they buried him. What do you mean, mikra ani doyresh? The Gemara had a kasha. They buried Yaakov Avinu. So what do you mean, mikra ani doyresh? The Gemara's kasha was like this. The Gemara said, Yaakov Avinu loimeis. So they thought that meant, Yaakov Avinu loimeis. So Yaakov Avinu is walking the streets, but what do you mean we buried him? So the Gemara says, no, not that the Chumash says Yaakov didn't die. If the Chumash would have said Yaakov didn't die, then you'd see Yaakov walking the streets. It's a drasha, which means in a hidden reality, Yaakov didn't die. The open psukim are the open reality that you see, that's what, that which you darshan is, so to speak, the hidden reality. Let's say there would be an idea that should have been written openly in the Chumash and was removed from the document. Would you be able to see that phenomenon? No, of course not. Like Oilam Haba. The same way Oilam Haba was removed from the document, you can't see it. If there would be an idea that it should say in the document, but it was removed, you wouldn't be able to see it. So let's say there was a guy who spent 30 years learning in Lakewood. And really it should say in the Chumash that he learned in Lakewood for 30 years. And it's removed from the Chumash. So even though he's in Lakewood and someone's looking for him for 30 years, they can't find him. Because it's out of the open reality, because it's out of the text. You know how Yaakov was able to hide from Esav Arasha? Because the Torah should have said Yaakov Avinu learned for 14 years. But it clearly, conspicuously removed it from the text. Oh, there he slept. But he didn't sleep in Yeshiva Shemba either. It says Yishma lived 137 years. Oh, we could figure out that Yaakov spent 14 years in Yeshiva Shemba Eber. So why doesn't it say it? It removed it from the text. Once it removes it from the text, Esav comes to Yeshiva Shemba Eber every single day. He goes to Yaakov's seat. He can't see him. He doesn't see him. Same way you, I, you can't see Oilam Haba because it's not in the text. You can't see Yaakov in the Yeshiva Shema Eber because it doesn't say it in the book. If it's not in the book, it's not an open reality. 
How did the Torah hide Yaakov Avinu learning Yeshiva Shem Ever? Ready for this? The greatest chemist, physicist came and he took the two atoms of Parshas Toldois and Parshas Vayetze and he fused the two Parshas together in the laboratory and he sealed shut the end of Toldois with the beginning of Vayetze and by making it a Parsha Sasuma, now Yaakov Avinu is hidden, Ya'esav Arasha cannot find him. That's the method with which the Rebbein Islam hid Yaakov Avinu. By taking out that fact from the Chumash, by sealing shut, by sealing shut these parashiyos. Why was it that the eyes and heart of Kaiso were sealed shut when Yaakov Avinu died? Because Parshas Vayechi is a Parshas Susuma, that's what was Nistam Eneem Belibam Shal Yisrael. The Nefesh Achayim brings from the Zayar. You look at number 22. The famous comment in the third paragraph, number 22, is Ubara Alma, the Rebbe Hashem looked into the Torah and he created the world. Ubara is Alma. That's what the Pasuk says, The Torah is the clay omnis of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. The Yibar Hashem read the words, Bereshis bara Eloikim es HaShamayim. By saying those words, Hashem created the Shamayim. And he said, V'yes Ha'aretz. When he said the words, V'yes Ha'aretz, he created the Aretz. When he read the words, Vayoymer Eloikim Yehi Ar, he made the Ar. But it doesn't say in the Chumash, there's something called Olam Abba, so you can't see it. And it doesn't say in the Chumash, Yaakov learned in the Yeshiva Shem Ever, so you can't find him. And Terach was 145 years old. And Avraham left an old dad. And nobody had Tainus and Avraham. You know why? Because nobody realized that Avraham left his aging father. Because it says in the Torah, Doisha, Terach died. So that brought down to the world a certain concealment and cloaked in a dark cloud, the fact that Avram left his father and it never entered the consciousness of man that Avram Avinu left his father because to, in people's minds, Terach is dead. Even though it says, Shamalechem, how's business? How are the, how's the idol factory? What's going on? And he would say, Baruch Hashem. But he's alive doesn't matter. If the Torah, if it says in the blueprint that he's not alive, then this is something not within the realm of human consciousness. And you know why no, nobody was at the Levaya of Rivka Yimenu? It's not that they would read the Torah to get their information. Once the Torah hides the fact that Rivka Yimenu died, nobody knows about it. It's not in the architectural plans. It's not in the Amoyin. It's not in Hashem's tools of craft to create the world. So nobody came to Levaya. It was a bad turnout. The coffin was there. And that's it. It was an empty room. Just the Hebrew Kadisha of Manchester. Nobody else came. Nobody else showed up. Nobody knew. No, the, the open text of the Torah creates the open reality of the Olam Hagashmi. 
So it doesn't say Yaakov was learning. So in the Olam Hagashmi, Esav couldn't see him. It doesn't say Rivka died, so people didn't show up to the Levaya. No, there were no messages that went out. Nobody found out the news. It doesn't say in the open text about Olam Avada, there's Olam Haba. It's a reality. But if it doesn't say it in the open text, if it's only in Kol Yisrael Yeshem Chelek in the Tar Peh, then it's hidden from people's understanding. So we're saying we're saying that the the open text of the Chumash is what creates the reality to the Ene Haguf. That's that's the way we're saying it. Now I want to bring it out a little bit further. What parsha? Do we lean on Tishabav? What's the Kriya Satara for Tishabav? Kisoy Lidbanim. Parshas Vaeschanan, which happens to be the Parsha of that week. Now it's interesting. There are many things we could have leaned on Tishabav than the Parsha of that week. We could have leaned the Toichacha. Why? Just happens to be that the week of Tishabav we lean from Kisoy Lidbanim of Nevanim. So Rav Moshe Wolfson quotes from his father based on the Chayz of Lublin, that it's not just the way something appears in the Chumash creates the reality. When something is read from the Torah, creates the reality. I'll give you another example of this, and we'll come back to Tisha B'av. We know that um, in the year 1240, 24 cartloads of uh, Talmud were burnt in, uh, in France, and they were, the Chachamim wanted to figure out what the reason for this is, and they made a Shelas Chaloim, and they were shown the following three words. What was it? So it's Chukaz, Dag Zeras It's a decree from the Torah. And the Magin Avram brings down, you have it here on your sheet number 32, he's quoting the Sefer in the Ksavim of the Arizal, and he quotes the Sefer Tanya, which should not be confused with the Tanya, because the Magin Avram came well before the Tanya. The Tanya is a, a, a Kitzer of the Shibala Haleket, it's one of the Rishonim. From Rome. Anyway, the Tanya brings that on the sixth day of Parshas Chukas, Yechidim Anoyeg to fast, because on that day 20 cartloads of some were burnt in France. Now, why did they make the fast day on a Friday, the day of the week, and not on the day of the month? Because they realized, Yoim Ha Parsha Goyrem. What caused the tragedy is the fact that Erev Shabbos Kodesh is the day that your Maver Sedra, the words, so it's Chukas Atayra, Da. So what do we see from the Smog in Avram? That the reality is not only affected by what it says in the document, the reality is also affected by when you read what it says in the document. And if you read the words on Friday, that contributes, it to, uh, contributes for it being an uh, inopportune time, an ominous time. So Moshe Wolfson says, there's an idea that the time of Pesach is felt in the parashiyos of Va'era Boi B'Shalach. So you could be in the middle of the winter and you get a little sense of Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim of Pesach when you read Va'era Boi B'Shalach. And when you read Yisra, you get a little taste of Shavuos. Because that's, uh, those are the parashiyos of Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim, of Kabbal Satoira. If we would read the Toichacha on Tishabav, 
then the Teichacha would be a Tishabav Dika reading. We would be getting the Tam of Tishabav when we lay in the Teichacha in the middle of the year. And Chazal didn't want us to have additional Tam of Tishabav. So they made sure that the Kriyas HaToyra for Tishabav would be from the parsha of that week, not to extend the time of Tishabav to any other man of the year. <laughs> so again, you see that the, the Kriyas HaToyra, when something is read, affects the way that, uh, the way that events uh, come out. Let's come back to the opening Pasuk of this week's parsha. I'll give you one more example before I do that. Parshas Vayishlach. Look at number 28. Gemalim eni kais shloishim. So Rashi points out why by all the other animals <coughs> does it talk about them and their husband and by the camels it says uvenehem. So Rashi brings a medrash baneem bonaeem. It's a remez to their, the male zacher kenagin akeva ulafisha tsenua betashmish because the camels are modest Therefore, it doesn't talk about the male camel openly. So we usually read this backward. Because camels are modest, therefore the Torah only alludes to the male. Just the opposite. Why are camels modest? What of us is that cows and pigs, they're prutzim, and the camel is a tsanua. Because the Torah doesn't talk about the Baal of the camel, it only alludes to it, that creates a new reality in the biology of a Gomel, that it's a Tzanua. Ah, you ready for this? These are the children of Yitzchak, the son of Avraham. Now the, the Leitzani Hadar said, Yitzchak ben Avraham, by the way, there's a beautiful Meshachachma, the Meshachachma asks, that how do we know Yishmael did tshuva? Because he let Yitzchak go before him. Because he let Yitzchak go before him, that's a raya, he did tshuva. Maybe he's still in Oisvarf, but he, he showed some courtesy to Yitzchak and he let Yitzchak go first by the burial of Avraham. So Meshachachma says no. When the Malach came and told Avraham he's going to have a kid, V'sara shaymas Pesach HaOyel V'hu Who's the Hu Acharav? Rashi says, the door was behind Sarah. Svarna says, the door was behind Sarah. Who cares that the door is behind Sarah? The Hu Acharav was the last guy mentioned. He sent his nar to bring the water. Yishmael. Yishmael was the Hu Acharav. And Yishmael laughed. Yishmael says, this lady is going to have a kid. Avraham's going to have a kid. So when Yitzchak was born, the Rosh of the late Sane Hadar who said, Me'avi Melech Nesabra Sarah was Yishmael. Yishmael said, Me'avram Nesabra Sarah, Me'avi Melech Nesabra Sarah. So the fact that Yishmael let Yitzchak go before him, that means he was chayzer from his cheshad, uh, that Me'avi Melech Nesabra Sarah, otherwise why would he let a stranger bury somebody who he's not related to? Okay. So we have these Leitzani Hadar. And what are the Leitzani Hadar saying? Me'avi Melech Nesabra Sarah. So we tend to read Rashi. So Hashem made a miracle and He made Yitzchak look like Avraham. So our class of show Yitzchak to look like Avraham. And that miracle is merumaz in the words Avraham hoyleres Yitzchak. Just the opposite. It's not that that miracle is merumaz in the words Avraham hoyleres Yitzchak. 
by writing in the Torah HaKadoshah, Avraham Hoyleres Yitzchak, that changed the entire appearance of Yitzchak Avinu, and those words were Tsar, Klaster, Panov, Shal Yitzchak, to look like Avraham Avinu, because the Torah is the blueprint of creation. And every detail of, of how things are portrayed affects the biology, the chemistry, the way things appear, the way things um, develop in our history. And we see over here the greatness of the life of Avraham, Yitzchak, and Yaakov. Because that means the Riban Shem literally used their life events to shape the reality of creation. Hashem used the lifetime of Avraham, Yitzchak, and Yaakov to be Yoitzer, how the world looks. And that's another reason why Sefer Bereshus is Sefer Hayitzira. Because the, the way the Rebbe Hashem describes the activities of Avraham, Yitzhak, and Yaakov, that created the history of the world forever and ever. So this gives us uh, really a new perspective on, on all of these Rashis. Well, why wasn't anybody at Rivka's uh, funeral? You know why? Because the Torah didn't say she died. Well, what does it have to do with whether people come to her Levaya or not. No, if it's not written in the Torah, there's a concealment. If it says Tarach died, people don't recognize Avraham left an aging father. If Yaakov Avinu's learning in the Yeshiva Shem Ever is not in the open text, Esav could come to the Yeshiva, sit next to Yaakov's seat, and he doesn't know where he is. The Yvon Shom seal shot Parshas Vayetze, he soysim the Parsha, and now Yaakov Avinu is able to be boireach, beseser, uvehichave. This is the great concept of Estakel, boireisa, ubara, ama. Thank you so much for hosting me tonight. Wishing everybody bracha v'hatzlacha, agazun to Shabbos, agun Shabbos, goyach. Baruch to You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.